Blog Talk Radio. Behind everything that is great, there is a great mind, a mastermind. Get ready for the Fantasy Football Mastermind Ed. The definitive fantasy football information show. Your host, fantasy football mastermind, Michael Mazurak, has more than two decades of fantasy football experience, comprehensive fantasy football information, strategy, and trading advice. Fantasy picks to click and flick the latest NFL news and much, much more. Each week during the fantasy football season on Blog Talk Radio. Remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second. Here's your host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge, Michael Nazarak. Welcome to the show, everybody. It is August 15th. This is week two of the 2018 NFL preseason. My name is Michael Nazarek. I'm host of the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge podcast. Fantasy Football Mastermind can be found on the web, of course, at ffmastermind.com. And with me once again, uh, I've run out of superlatives for my very good friend and co-host, Chris Rito. How are you doing tonight, Chris? Pretty good, pretty good. If you need some more uh, uh, possible compliments, I've got a list of them I can loan you if you'd like. <laughs> okay, yeah, you can go ahead and email me after the show, and I'll just queue them up. Week one, week two, week three. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's get right to the news and notes. Uh, well, we never like to hear about being injuries and all, but it seems that that's all we're talking about in, in, in training camp and in the preseason. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skip over a quarterback real quick because the, the devastating injury that the Washington Redskins suffered last, last Thursday night, uh, a rookie, Darius Geis, uh, tore his ACL. looked like it might have been just a minor knee injury or a torn MCL, and he went in and they – they did the MRI, and he's out for the year, uh, you know, and now, you know, he's gone. I mean, they've got Rob Kelly there. They've got Sanjay Perrine. Uh, looks like Alex Smith is going to be throwing more. Uh, what's your first take uh, about the Redskins and their dilemma now, Chris? I mean, what do they do to try and get the offense back on track in the running game? Well, the one thing that this might cause is it might keep them from putting Chris Thompson on the pup. And it may actually encourage him to maybe come back before he's fully ready because they're going to need him. Um, that may not be a good thing in the long run, but uh, that could be what happens. It's because they need somebody in the backfield that's more of a threat than, than the plotter, Kelly, and, and P. Ryan. So that, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Obviously, Alex Smith is perfectly capable of, of dinking and dunking and spreading the ball around. But, again, without Thompson there, that's one of his primary weapons to do that. So this this is a real blow for the Washington offense, which I think had some question marks anyway. So uh, And losing guys, boy, that's that's a big one, especially right out the, bay, right out of the gate. Yeah, we just don't know uh, if if Kelly and Perrine can carry the load. Uh, you know, the, of course, the coaches Jay Gruden says, "Well, uh, you know, they're another year into the system, and and uh, you know, we, we wouldn't we wouldn't have them here, and we wouldn't you know, we'd be signing someone immediately if if uh, you know we weren't confident with the backs we have." But the bottom line is that there's not much out there uh, to to sign. Uh, you know, yes. possibilities yes. to Adrian Peterson. I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Well, there's also a, a- pretty good stable of backs in Detroit, one of which is probably going to get let go. I mean, there's one wonders if Amir Abdullah is going to be able to make the team with, with Theo Riddick already there and LeGarrette Blount and, and carry on Johnson. Amir Abdullah might be a nice, a nice fit, even though he's not clearly the talent guy says, but he could work out. There could be some other guys that get released kind of surprisingly. Um, maybe a Charkendrick West 
could fill a backup role and give them a little versatility. But you're right, there's not a lot out there. Amongst the guys out there, DeMarco Murray, if they could convince him to come out of retirement, might be better than Adrian Peterson at this point. Yeah, um, it's interesting you mentioned Amir Abdullah, and all indications now is that it looks like he's going to make the final roster there. So, you know, uh, tailbacks don't grow on trees, so, you know, we'll see. Uh, but I think a lot of this, uh, I'm obviously I'm sure Gruden and, and, and uh, crew are going to be watching uh, Kelly and Perrine uh, closely over the next uh, game or two in preseason, and if things don't look very good, then they might have to, you know, go on the outside or maybe trade for somebody or like you say pick up somebody that's cut but the bottom line here is that it probably does mean a little bit more passing for Alex Smith which is probably good for Jamison Crowder but uh, you know probably less scoring opportunities because they're just not going to have that that big explosive runner that they that they did have in a rookie and it's kind of a shame this happened moving on over to, to uh, Philadelphia Carson Wentz you know, with a knee, they say he's kind of on track. Then you know he, they pulled him out of the team by uh, the team practices, the team drills to keep him you know uh, fresh or whatever. You know now he's saying that you know it's going to be close. He may not play, may or may not play week one. Nick Foles is having a, a neck issue, but he should be good to go to play. Actually, this week they say he's going to play. Uh, Chris, if you draft Carson Wentz, I mean, is it is it actually a smart thing to draft Carson Wentz? And if you do, what what do you do for your backup? Well, you definitely – it's a smart thing to draft Carson Wentz. There's no problem with that. Think back to when Tom Brady was suspended for four games. He was still absolutely draftable, the number one quarterback. I think Wentz fits that same bill. Maybe he's a little bit lower on your draft list, but he's still definitely a number one. As far as the backup, you can try to spend a late-round pick on full, but the other option you have is just look for somebody that's a lesser quarterback but has some great matchups out of the gate. Heck, for that matter, you can maybe even look at a Ryan Fitzpatrick who you know is only going to be good for about three or four weeks anyway. So that might be an option, something like that. But, again, just look at the schedule, and there will be an article that I'll be putting out in the premium site uh, later this month which actually looks at backup quarterbacks for the studs for their bye weeks. And that's one of the things I'll touch on is for Carson Wentz, not only his bye week, but maybe if you needed somebody for the first couple weeks of the year as well. That, that's right, Chris. I've got to remind you, we've got to get those articles out here in the next week. <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on over to Seattle, uh, Rashard Penny, the rookie, uh, another rookie running back here, well, he had to undergo uh, surgery for a broken finger, his pointer finger on one of his hands. He's going to be out three to four weeks. Uh, Pete Carroll says he expects him back for week one, but let's see. We've got Penny expected back for week one. We've got Baldwin expected back for week one. But none of these guys are going to have any kind of uh, further practice time or, or play time, you know, in the preseason um chris carson's been knocking it out of the park in a training camp looks like he's the starter from week one is that going to stay the rest of the whole season what, what what do you do you grab carson or penny first in your draft uh chris well last week when we talked about the running backs you may remember a wonderful co-host of yours which suggested chris carson was <laughs> one of the most uh, underrated sleeper backs and i was convinced he was going to hold that starting job longer than a lot of people thought anyway this may just make that come true uh, as well. Of course, I also said Darius Geis was overrated, but I didn't think this was the way that was going to happen either. So, but the, no, I do think Carson is is a little better than people think, and will do a little better than people think. And with Penny being a rookie and having a late start and missing this game action and timing, this could actually impact it certainly a lot more than Doug Baldwin, who doesn't need the practice. But uh, but Rashard Penny, I think, is going to struggle to move into the starting lineup as easily as a lot of people might have projected coming out of the draft or through preseason. Okay, one more thing before we get through the injuries real quick. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey had to come off that shoulder surgery that he had after the Super Bowl. Well, he's still on the pop. He's not practicing. 
there's actually been talk uh, NFL to com, uh, NFL.com's uh, Ian Rappaport says that he could stay on the pup into the season. That's six weeks. I find that hard to believe. What's your thoughts, Chris, uh, on Alshon Jeffrey, and what about the other wide receivers in, in uh, Philly? Does that increase their value? Um, I think the guy whose value increases is Mike Wallace uh, in this one because I think he can, he's going to slide into that role uh, very nicely. Aguilar is still going to do the underneath routes just, just like he always had. But Mike Wallace will get a lot more run in Alshon Jeffrey's role. And so if you want a guy that maybe wants to gra- draft Julian Edelman as your third or fourth receiver, you can maybe look at a guy like Mike Wallace that could play the first few weeks of the season till Jeffrey's up to speed or while he's on pup and then release him once Edelman comes back. So that's, that's a nice kind of pairing right there. But Mike Wallace is the guy you want to look at, I think. Yeah, I, uh, I just picked up Mike Wallace, a very tail end of one of my expert leagues, drafts in a non-PPR situation. That's exactly the situation. You know, he's not only he's going to catch many passes there, but he's definitely still a deep threat. I know he's uh, kind of struggled, but a lot of that was the quarterback situation where he was playing, like in Miami and, uh, and you know, and, and in Baltimore there. But, but now, uh, you know, with Philly, uh, Carson Wentz, uh, boy, he was lights out on those uh, deep passes last year. Anyway, uh, let's get right to the uh, injury uh, injury situation real quick before we get to the top 10 at wide receiver. Uh, over in uh, Indianapolis, uh, so far so good with Andrew Luck. I, I guess, Chris, are we going to see Andrew Luck in, in this week's preseason game? Yes. In fact, I think they said he may play as much as a full half of action uh, this week. Oh, cool. That's great. We want to see him hook up with T.Y. Hilton and uh, and get some uh, get some love there to Ryan Grant, our other uh, up-and-coming sleeper before he just sleeps the entire summer away in the preseason anyway. Uh, we already mentioned Carson Wentz. Uh, he's not going to play in the preseason. You know, they hope to have him for week one. Nick Foles is definitely going to play this week with that neck injury there. And Big Ben, uh, fell on his head yesterday, concussion. He, he, the, he, the plan all along was for him not to play this week. He might not play at all in the preseason, but I think he should be okay. There's enough time here for him to recover. Uh, Saquon Barkley uh, with the uh, Giants uh, pulled his uh, slightly pulled hamstring, kind of a strain on a long reel route uh, that he made a good catch on in practice. He's not been practicing since. He's listed as day-to-day. He, he sat today, worked off to the side. Dalvin Cook in Minnesota still looks darn good, according to John Holler there. Uh, dropped him with confidence early, late first round, early second round there in your fantasy draft. Jared McKinnon gave us a scare. It looked like it might be a knee injury, but it actually turned out to be a right calf strain. He's going to be reevaluated in one week. I wouldn't expect to see him play much in the preseason, if at all. And Matt Breida, his running mate there in, in San Francisco, sh- shoulder injury out for the rest of the preseason, but they expect him to be back in week one. So, you know, they're going to be they need both those guys over there. I think it was Jeremy McNichols running the first team in, in practice right now with both these guys out. But uh, that should change as we get closer to the season. Uh, Isaiah Crowell has suffered a concussion on his uh, touchdown in the last um, week in the preseason. So he's not practicing this week for the Jets. CDA Procise, once again, hip injury. I guess, uh, you know, kind of came up late in practice right before the game last week. Uh, he didn't play, and then he sent out more practices. But today he's back in practice We'll see how long that lasts there. And your, your man you just mentioned, Turk Hendrick West with a concussion, still not practicing. We don't know what's going on with the backup uh, running backs there behind Kareem Hunt in Kansas City, but we'll get some more clarification over the next couple of weeks as we get down the cut-down day. Uh, Antonio Brown limped off the field the other day. Everyone had a big scare about it. Then he said, hey, I don't know what you're talking about. It's, uh, you know, all the, all the day's work supposed to be off to the side. He's got the quad issue. He's listed his day-to-day. He says no problem. Um, and, of course, we already mentioned Doug Baldwin out all the preseason. Pete Carroll still expects him to play week one. He's pretty confident about that. We'll see. Allen Robinson with 
with the knee uh, coming off of last last year in Chicago. Well, a big thing is he's going to play this week in preseason, so we're going to get the first first taste of the Trubinsky to A-Rob combo. Uh, hopefully they'll hook up at least a couple times in the preseason game to this week. We'll be watching him closely. Corey Davis had been out with an undisclosed injury. He's returned to practice, making some good catches there. Uh, one-handed grab earlier today, and so he uh, looks like he's probably going to be good to go and maybe see his first preseason action this week. Jameson Crowder was undisclosed, did not play last week. He could play this week. We'll see. Uh, they need to get on the same page with Alex Smith and game situations there in Washington. Devontae Parker, <laughs> finger injury here. It looks like he's week to week, not going not gonna to practice very much, and Basically off my draft board, I'm not even uh, considering uh, looking uh, drafting him because he's just too inconsistent, doesn't give uh, good effort, and also the route running can be improved there. Martavis Bryant is suffering migraines. He missed the last two days. Um, it's funny. G. John Gruden is calling him the White Tiger now, and apparently the White Tiger made an appearance at practice today and Wednesday, and uh, all, all is happy, at least for today. Uh, Cameron Meredith down in New Orleans, he tweeted something about some uh, unknown ailment, and he said he's going to persevere. Well, he did, apparently, because he returned to practice today, so that's looking good for him down in New Orleans. Quincy, another one with the thumb, he got his cast off, and uh, he returned to practice, so it doesn't look like it was that big of an injury there. Rashard Matthews down in t- Tennessee, still on the pup, undisclosed injury, was seen standing uh, in running shoes on the sideline. He's still not practicing. Um, that's another guy I'm probably not going to draft this year. There's just too much buzz going around Corey Davis and, and the other guys. Taiwan Taylor is the uh, is a young rookie, and uh, I mean a young second year man there uh, that's getting a lot of press too. And of course Delaney Walker's there. Vance McDonald with a foot injury to tight end in, in Pittsburgh. He's still not practicing. No updates there. And uh, you know every week that that, that goes, uh, you know looks like uh, maybe a late round draft pick on him might be a waste. I'm not so sure. Uh, I'm kind of sometimes seeing him being drafted late in drafts and and but most of the time not not no drafts at all so and the final thing the kicker uh, Cairo Santos with a groin injury he's had this uh, surgery last year he's had it on and off it's a, it's in and in, in, um, just uh, pulls it or he just strains it or whatnot so they're being real careful in just practice anyway we'll be right back after this important message You know you want to dominate your fantasy football league. Manage your teams with the assistance of the premier fantasy football information source, Fantasy Football Mastermind. Found on the web at ffmastermind.com, there's plenty of good free stuff, and the premium content will consistently give your teams the best chance to go all the way. President CEO Michael Nazarek has 20 years' experience and just completed his fourth consecutive year as SI's Expert League Super Bowl champ. Go to ffmastermind.com and check out their volumes of fantasy content, updated daily, which will give you the edge you need to legitimately claim Redrafter, Dynasty, Keeper, Auction, Salary Cap, IDP. They cover them all with the best content available anywhere. Go now to ffmastermind.com. The longer you wait, the more great information you'll be missing. In addition to checking out our own site at ffmastermind.com, we urge everyone that wants to play online or in a live high-stakes fantasy football event to check out myffpc.com. The Fantasy Football Players Championship has been around for 11 years. This is the only uh, high-stakes event that I play in. I directly go on down here. I live just outside of Las Vegas and Henderson. And we go on down to the Planet Hollywood. and have a fantastic draft room there. You've got about 50 drafts going on at the same time. We draft in Friday night the day after the game, big Thursday. 
Thursday night game. It's 1850 to join uh, for one team, but you got a chance to win $250,000, and there's $11,000 in league prizes. So if you win your league, you're you know, looking seven, eight thousand there. Uh, you got a quarter of a chance there to to win your money back just in your league play. And I've won over $21,000 in the last four years playing this event. It's a ton of fun. Um, check out myffpc.com. They've got, of course, online leagues. Uh, that started as low as $35. Anyway, uh, please check out our website, of course, and go to, uh, visit quickbits.com. Uh, I mean, quickbits.php off of our, our main website. Uh, all the injuries and stuff in the preseason are being uh, 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 mentioned there as things break and such. Uh, of course, we're still tracking the free agents and player movements free for people on the site, and we're releasing free Ina Sky Scanner reports, including uh, Chris Rito's on the uh, Indianapolis Colts, two in August. So we're finishing up the first round here early in August, and then we're going to have a round from everyone else later. Of course, we're updating our master's list, customizable cheat sheet, Excel app, and our NCP board and our executive draft master every single week. In fact, the last couple of weeks we've done it multiple times each week when major news, injury news strikes like the Penny situation or the Geis injury and such. Version 4 of the preseason draft guide has been released for 175 pages. The price is $18.95, under 20 bucks. The cost of a pizza to try us out for one season. Uh, we've been online for 23 years. I make my living doing this. We enjoy this. We've been Chris and I've been doing this podcast for nine plus years. I've been doing it for 11. Um, you know, we just want to help people win. Uh, give us a try. Our premium summer rates are, are 47.95 for the Pro Bowl package, which is everything except our drafting software. If you want that in there, it's 57.95. And please follow me on Twitter at FF Mastermind. Let's hit the top 10 wide receivers in PPR leagues. Chris, give me your top three and why. My top three are the only guys that I feel are wide receivers with first-round draft grades. And, and obviously at the top of the list is Antonio Brown. I'm a little worried about the nagging injuries and the heavy usage starting to add up on his body, but there's just simply not a convincing case for any other wide receiver at number one aside from Brown. He's, he's a mortal lock for 10 to 15 targets every week out there. Number two is Odell Beckham. Junior. Uh, people remember his acrobatic catches and all of his touchdowns, but a lot of people seem to forget that he's a high-volume target hog that catches a ton of passes. You know, 100 catches and double-digit TDs is almost a given, and through the first four seasons of his career, this is about what he's averaged. So, so he's, he's right on that. And my number three guy that's a tick behind him is DeAndre Hopkins. Um, he's the only guy that could possibly outpace Antonio Brown for targets. Um, if he was a more dependable touchdown scorer, like he did last year with Deshaun Watson for part of the year, um, he could be right up there with the other two, but he just hasn't consistently been a double-digit touchdown scorer before. Okay, in PPR leagues, my top five is as follows. Number one, Antonio Brown. That's consensus number one across the board, and we know why. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins is my number two. He's an elite wide receiver and is that much better with a healthy, healthy Deshaun Watson, a quarterback there. I got him about 14, 20, 11 scores. OBJ uh, Jr., o Odell Beckham, uh, you know, when he's healthy, he's a difference maker. Uh, you know, he's, if he can stay healthy the entire year, he's right up there in the top three. And like you say, I think these are the only guys you consider in the first round. In fact, I've been seeing OBJ slide to the start of the second round, which is fantastic value if you can get elite running uh, running back first and then pick up OBJ in a second. You're way ahead of the game. Uh, Keenan Allen from the Los Angeles Chargers is my number four guy. Boy, he really tore it up at the end of last year. I know only caught, what, six, seven uh, uh, touchdowns, but I think he's uh, on pace for, uh, you know, very close to double digits, if not double digits. He's going to catch over 100 passes there in the PPR league. He's just money in the bank. Uh, Michael Thomas, my number five guy, very, very consistent, over 100 catches. Uh, could have proven the touchdown in the red zone area and all because they've got Kamara and Ingram kind of takes away from him. But still, I mean, what 
what's not to like when the guy's going to catch over 100 passes for probably 13, 50, 1400 yards and eight or nine scores there, and he could always go up there. What's the rest of your top five, uh, number four and five, Chris? Wow, I can't believe you didn't put an Alabama guy in your top five, but my four and five guys are Julio Jones and Keenan <laughs> Allen. Um, those two guys are basically carbon copies of each other. They're target monsters, high yardage totals, but with lower red zone success rates. They both can challenge for 100 catches and 100 yards any week, but they're both going to struggle to get more than the high single-digit touchdowns, in my opinion. Each of their teams have a lot of touchdowns going to running backs, and they have other big red zone targets to share with. I give Jones just the slightest edge here because – both these guys are likely drafted in the early second round, and there's a good chance that that drafter looking at these two has, might have taken Melvin Gordon in the first round. I'd like not to have the two Chargers on my team. So more than likely, I'd say Jones is just a slight tick ahead, but they're basically equivalent. Okay. Uh, six to eight for me. Uh, well, number six, Julio Jones. Why number six and not number four and number five? He just doesn't score many touchdowns. Uh, got him down for about six, 1,500-plus yards, 90 catches. Uh, he's also a little bit dinged up. You know, he always gets those ankle injuries and such, and he's just having trouble getting on the same page in the red zone with Matt Ryan. I'm not quite sure that's going to change because another Bama boy is there right uh, right now, Calvin Ridley, who is a, I believe, better red zone target. Uh, we'll see, but still, you can't go wrong with every, all of the, the, the yardage. I mean, and Julio will put up those games, you know, seven, eight catches, uh, 200 yards and <laughs> a score, and uh, they, those will win you a few games by themselves. Anyway, Devontae Adams, my number seven guy in Green Bay. He's the clear number one now, over 90 catches this year, I believe, 1,150 yards, 11 scores. So his, his specialty is catching the short touchdowns and all from Aaron Rodgers and what's not to like when you got Rodgers targeting you. Uh, number eight, A.J. Green is the underrated, overlooked guy that's still an elite receiver this year because he started off slow. The entire team did last year. People kind of tend to over look at him. You can get him late in the second round. Uh, I've gotten him late in the second round. It's the latest 2-9 in a 12-man league uh, as my first uh, wide receiver after I've taken elite running back on the first four picks of the draft. I, I think he 80-plus catches, 1,200 yards, and nine scores, and that might be even, even a little bit conservative. Uh, why don't you finish out uh, your top ten, Chris? Hey, my number six guy is Michael Thomas. I mean, Everyone thinks that the guy with the most catch in the first two years of his career is OBJ, maybe Randy Moss. It's actually Michael Thomas. Very quietly, his first two years, he's averaging almost 100, yards, 100 catches a year. He's only number six in my ranking, and you mentioned this before. Uh, Breeze spreads the ball around a lot, especially in the red zone. And New Orleans has a little bit of a renewed commitment to using the running game based on you know the reduction in Breeze's touchdowns last year. So Thomas gets a little bit of a dip as compared to the top five for that reason. I've got A.J. Green seventh. Again, he's the only game in town. He's Dalton's security blanket. He's got a really high target share uh, amongst the, the, the elite receivers. He's a reliable stud that's going behind some guys with, with perceived upside. I think he's as good a bet for a top five to ten fantasy receiver as anyone not in the big three. Uh, my number uh, eight is Devontae Adams. Like you said, he's simply the best and only trusted wide receiver that the best quarterback in football has, so I can't put him any lower just because of that. He even kept his performance up when Rodgers left the lineup last year, which is really important, showing that he's not going to disappear. He might even leapfrog A.J. Green in, uh, in uh, non-PPR leagues because of his high touchdown scoring rate. My number nine, I actually have a tie with the two Minnesota receivers because I really can't differentiate them, even though they're very different receivers. Diggs is the better and more versatile threat and seems to be a favorite target of Cousins, so his reception total should rise. However, Thielen had an abnormally low touchdown rate for a 90-plus touchdown guy, or 90-plus reception guy, excuse me. So with that kind of target volume, his TD total should be, on average, based on historical precedent across the league in the neighborhood of 8 to 10. 
if he gets that kind of usage again. So you can make a good case for either one of them. And my number 10 guy is T.Y. Hilton. Um, I mean, the short passing game, if you watch any of the preseason game, you can really see that the luck is going to target Hilton early and often. He's, he's also the only deep threat on the roster. He might be a little erratic week to week, though, because opposing defenses are going to double and triple team him. Basically, if they take out T.Y. Hilton until somebody else beats them, they're going to do that. So he's going to see a lot of coverage, even though he's going to get a lot of targets forced for him. But I can see him actually not putting up the numbers that his targets should indicate just because he, is, he does not beat double and triple coverage very well. Interesting take on the Vikings wide receivers. We're going to talk about them a little bit later in our sleeper, underrated, and overrated segment. Um, my number nine guy is uh, Mike Evans. Uh, I know that he won't have Winston there, but a Fitzgerald will be able to find him. Uh, Fitzpatrick, I'm sorry, will be able to find him. Uh, I think 80-plus catches, 1,200 yards, around nine scores for Mike Evans. That puts him number nine. And number ten is really somebody, well, uh, you know, he is a Bama boy, Amari Cooper, but, you know, he's up and down. You can be frustrating Probably somebody that I'm not going to have on my any of my teams just because uh, he's inconsistent. That being said, uh, John Gruden says the focal point of the passing game is going to be Amari Cooper. He's looked pretty good in camp so far. Uh, he's not having any, any issues like uh, Martavis Bryant is. He, he, he's got a ton of talent. The problem is he needs to work on his red zone uh, timing and work with Derek Carr there because that just went to hell in a handbasket last year. And, uh, you know, those, those, uh, those looks might uh, end up going to Jordy Nelson, but still I've got him number 10. So let's move on over to sleepers, underrated and overrated. Uh, it's getting a lot of attention here. So, uh, so uh, Chris, give me a couple of sleepers you'd like this, uh, this year in fantasy. Well, one guy I really like, even though he's a former high-end guy, is Kelvin Benjamin. He's being rated as a wide receiver number five in most ADP listings, but he's healthy, he's motivated, he's playing for a team that's going to throw a lot because they're going to trail a lot. He was already looking like a high-volume guy in the early preseason work. I think this is a guy that's going to be an every-week fantasy starter at a 10th-round wide receiver four or five price in a PPR league. And another guy on the other end of the spectrum is rookie Michael Gallup. I'm liking this kid more and more, mostly because of his opportunity. Uh, the rest of the receiving crew is obviously questionable, and right now some of it's injured, so he might have a chance to really shine early and often. A lot of people are avoiding the Dallas passing game, but I suspect his situation will allow him to be one of the few rookie wide receivers that's actually fantasy useful. He's kind of going in around the 14th round as a wide receiver, five or six. He should vastly outperform that. Okay, a couple of sleepers that uh, I have my eyes on right now. And, uh, by the way, we will be updating our sleepers and creepers section for our preseason draft guide uh, subscribers uh, today, later today, and tomorrow. So that should be done by tomorrow night. Um, it's going to be a fresh take on them. I usually do update them one more time later in the month. So we want to make sure we get the latest sleepers and creepers for our subscribers. A couple of guys that come to mind for me, Mike Williams uh, in, in uh, Los Angeles. I still want to say San Diego, but <laughs> – Anyway, he's been having a fantastic camp, really hooking up well with Philip Rivers, especially in the red zone. Real tall, lanky receiver. He's healthy. Uh, no Hunter Henry this year. Um, and, and most importantly is that you can draft him as a, as a number five wide receiver in, in a lot of drafts this, this year. Uh, you know, he's just uh, sliding down the chart a lot. Another guy that's uh, right along with Turner in terms of having a really fantastic camp is John Brown in uh, Baltimore. Of course, the 
the the talent has never been a question. It's always been the sickle cell, you know, trait that he carries that, that's kept him out of so many games because it gives him all kinds of maladies where he can't p- practice and play. What he's no longer in Arizona. He's in Baltimore. Maybe it's a change in the weather. I don't know. He's been fantastic in camp, making all kinds of catches. Making they say he's making Joe Flacco better. Uh, you know, Flacco used to be good with the deep ball and such, and then you know that it's kind of gone by the wayside because there hadn't been much talent there. Well, now there is John Brown, and I just snagged him in a couple of drafts as my five and or number six wide receiver. It's ridiculously late how how late you can get John Brown, and I think he's worth it. He might even be a number four, and it's certainly somebody that you can start later on uh, in the season, if not immediately. Overrated. Couple of guys you think are overrated in fantasy drafts this summer, uh, Chris. Well, the first guy I'm going to mention is Juju Smith-Schuster. I know this sounds like heresy because he's been one of the, the, the hot uh, up-and-coming guys this year. I like him. I just don't like him as high as he's being drafted and, and hyped. And I look really at the offense more so than the guy. Antonio Brown, for five straight years, has been far and away the number one. He's averaging 171 targets the last five years. The number two guy in Pittsburgh has only averaged 82 targets for those five years. So a lot of people projecting 90 catches and a huge TD total is just unprecedented with Antonio Brown in the field. It's also worth noting that two of Juju's three decent games and 19 targets came those two games that Brown was off the field in week 16 and 17. He only averaged five and a half targets when Brown played, which just isn't enough targets to make these projections a lot of people have sustainable. Um, I just can't justify drafting Juju 10 wide receivers and three rounds ahead of guys like Marvin Jones, for example. So I'm just going to live out on the edge a little bit and say I probably won't have him because somebody will draft him before I'm willing to. The second guy I'm a little worried about is Corey Davis. I just wonder what he's done to merit being drafted as a wide receiver number two in fantasy because that's where he's going right now. He missed his rookie half his rookie year. He's been hurt again. The offense is going to be better, but I don't think that vaults him into the range of of being a pass-happy wide receiver number two. Everyone I see is projecting him around 950 yards and six touchdowns, but he's being drafted as a low-end wide receiver number two, according to ADP, and I just don't know why that is. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. By the way, we're under a minute left, so if you're listening to this live and it cuts off, you can go to the website and or the link at Blog Talk Radio and uh, pull it up, and you can listen. We're just going to go over a little bit. We always end up going over a little bit uh, a little bit better, a little bit longer than shorter, right? Anyway, a couple of overrated guys in my mind. Tyreek Hill, he is being drafted as a wide receiver one for people that draft two running backs early in drafts, and I am really concerned with Patrick Mahomes, who's not done anything in the preseason so far. It's only been one game. But he's still throwing picks in practice. Uh, you know, uh, they've they've they a lot of a lot of ways to go here on this on this chemistry. Um, you know, when he gets to, does get the football in his hands, he can he can do things special. But I'm not quite sure if Tyree Kill is a number one. I'm not, I'm not even sure if I'd like him as a number two. But you know, I'm not saying I don't like him. But uh, he's going way too early for my taste. And the other one's Adam Thielen. Now I talked to John Holler, our Vikings update correspondent and senior fantasy writer. And he specifically was telling me that although Adam Thielen is not having a bad camp, Stefan Diggs is having a camp of his life. He's just hooking up at left and right with uh, with new uh, quarterback Kirk Cousins. And you saw that in the preseason game where he caught the touchdown, three passes, and Adam Thielen didn't even get a look in that game. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to continue on, but the bottom line is in my eyes, I'd rather have Diggs than Thielen, and it's not even close. That's just how I feel about it. So I've, I've already drafted Diggs a couple of times as a, as, a, as a wide receiver, two in a couple of drafts. I have no problem with that. And Thielen is just going too soon. I've seen him drafted before Diggs in these drafts, uh, you know, even in non-PBR, uh, you know, and I just don't see it. So, uh, yeah, that's this definition of overrated for me. Anyway, a couple of underrated guys, Chris. 
well, the first one that comes to mind is Josh Gordon, and he's he actually still being drafted reasonably high, so it, it's hard to say he's too underrated. And I'm assuming he's going to play. Gordon safely projects the same kind of numbers I just mentioned for Corey Davis's ceiling up above, just under 1,000 yards and six touchdowns. But he also has that wide receiver one upside that no wide receiver drafted outside the top 15 or so can, can legitimately boast. So even when you factor in the risk of him being a head case, I don't see that he merits being drafted two or three full rounds behind Jarvis Landry, who's, you know, which is what ADP is saying. So I'd say draft him as a number three, and you'll get at least number two production from him. Another guy that's underrated, a little more kind of a, a safe and unsexy pick is Michael Crabtree. The guy's reasonably well-produced, decent fantasy numbers every year in every town with a variety of quarterbacks. And even when his teammates have rendered him a low-volume target guy, he's almost a mortal lock for eight or nine touchdowns seemingly every year. So being now the top target for Flacco, the team that wants to or might need to throw the ball a lot sometimes, he should easily do better than the wide receiver number 30 as he's been drafted so far. Yep. And, of course, uh, we just wanted to mention that you, when you mentioned Josh Gordon, uh, that, that in one of our drafts we ended up with Josh Gordon, I believe. Did we draft him as a two or a three? I couldn't remember. Uh, Crabtree or Gordon? No. You Gordon. cut out for a moment there. I'm sorry. Yeah, we, we took we Gordon drafted uh, him was as a number three. As a number three, and I, I he totally was a number agree three with you behind there. Baldwin I, and Marvin Jones, if I remember correctly. That, that's right. So we just need to hope that he shows up <laughs> and plays, because if he does, I think he's going to put up at least number two, and like you say, number one numbers uh, has a possibility there. A couple of overrated guys that I'm looking at. Marquise Lee, uh, I think he's still clearly the number one in Jacksonville, even though we're getting all these hypes about D.D. Westbrook and Keelan Cole and now D.J. Chark, the rookies, have the best receiver in Campbell. I think Blake Bortles really feels uh, the safest connection now, especially now that uh, the, the, that uh, uh, the tight end uh, pretty much situation has, uh, has deteriorated, or at least they, they brought in ASJ to, to fill Mercedes Lewis being gone, Julius Thomas long on there. Um, I think Mark Easley is going to catch a lot of passes here. He's going to probably score more, a, bu- a little bit more than people think, maybe five to seven times this year. Uh, but he's, I think he's definitely going to catch upwards of 90 catches if he can ca- if he can stay healthy the whole year. Uh, he's just being underrated. You can you can draft him as a number six, almost number five or six late in your draft. Uh, and at the very end of your draft, Cole Beasley, he's a slot machine in Dallas. was not used very much at all last year. So as a result, he's sliding all the way to the bottom. You can get him 18, 19, round 20. We got him in Fanex as what of our seven wide receiver, number seven wide receiver. In PPR format, he's going to catch passes. I think he's going to catch – I wouldn't be surprised if he catches 70 to 80, 80, 80 balls this year. And, you know, how many scores? I don't know. Could be anywhere from two to six. But, you know, that kind of value, you know, especially if uh, if Gallup uh, kind of regresses uh, and Alan Hearns uh, kind of disappoints there, I don't know. You might end up uh, with uh, with Beasley being the leading guy on that team. Uh, he, he could very well, uh, you know, catch the most passes of any of the group uh, to begin with there, but it should be interesting. But the bottom line is grabbing him late in, in the, at the very end of the draft as a six or a seven, that's a no-brainer if you need somebody that you possibly could plug in the first four weeks of the season. Anyway, uh, we want to thank everybody for joining us again uh, today uh, and this week. Uh, please check out the website, ffmastermind.com. For Chris Rito, this is Michael Masarek. We'll see you all next week when the tight end position from a fantasy perspective is previewed. Goodbye, good night, and good luck to everyone drafting this week. You've been listening to the Fantasy Football Mastermind Edge with your host, Michael Nazarak, the definitive fantasy football information and advice show. 
Join us next time on Blog Talk Radio. Until then, remember, there's no bragging rights for finishing second.